Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. When we left off last time, Paul, having been imprisoned in Ephesus and facing these unimaginable dangers, including, as some historians suggest, being forced onto the arena floor to face the possibility of being eaten or torn apart by wild animals, which he himself seems to have alluded to when he said, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? But he now, somehow, seems to be facing something even more perilous, a spiritual breakdown. Stranded in a dark, damp, dreadful Ephesian dungeon, he was suffering from severe sickness, both in his body, but even worse, in his spirit. And it was intense. He described it by saying, we were utterly, unbearably crushed, pressed beyond measure and strength, completely overwhelmed. It was more than we could bear. The things we had to undergo were more of a burden than we could carry. I feared I would never live through it. Yet even then, as much as he was tempted to, he didn't lose heart. And so now he could face whatever might come for though his outer nature was wasting away, his inner nature was being renewed every day. And he says, for this, And I love this little line. He says, for this slight momentary affliction. I mean, come on. You think you have it tough right now? He's in a dungeon, having just been thrown out in the gladiatorial games and somehow survived. And yet he says, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen, those are transient, but the things that are unseen, those are eternal. Then, in the midst of all of this, seemingly out of nowhere, he was delivered, rescued from certain death, and granted unconditional liberty through an intervention at risk of their own lives by Priscilla and Aquila, who were ready to die in Paul's place. And it's a selfless sacrificial act he'd write about later when he said, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in the ministry of Jesus. They risked their necks to save my life. And not I alone, but all the Gentile congregations, they're grateful to them. I wanna talk about the result of that today in a message we're calling The Voice. So Paul emerged from the spring of 55 AD, weakened in his body, but purified in his spirit. Almost immediately after his release, though, his life was in turmoil once again. This time, however, Luke could describe the incident in detail without fear of retaliation from Nero, since the riot in Ephesus had nothing to do with Salanus. 
and it showed the Roman Empire at its best. The pagan festival Paul was looking forward to as means to share Jesus to a captivated crowd, it had begun. Every spring, devotees of the mother goddess Artemis, or as the Romans called her, Diana, they converged on Ephesus for Artemisia, the great festival that worship, trade, and a massive celebration made the highlight of the city's entire year. Multiple processions, they marched from the temple of Artemis to the northern gate, then below the theater along the marble way, up the hill, past the city hall, and out by the Magnesia gate in exhibitions to honor the goddess. But in between these exhibitions, the people, they crowded the streets with celebratory massive parties. This was the very reason Paul had decided not to leave Ephesus earlier. And this festival, it was the, the prime sales season for the important guild of silversmiths whose replicas of the Artemis idol were normally in heavy demand. People needed them to be able to worship in the temple. This year, however, the silversmiths, they suffered a slump. It was a remarkable testimony to the success of Paul's mission. Hundreds upon hundreds of visitors refused to buy the idols. Some because as Jesus followers, they were treating this Artemisia simply as an opportunity to hear Paul again, while others were there so that they could meet fellow followers of Jesus. Either way, they would no longer purchase the silver goddesses to take to the temple for their blessing. They no longer needed them to worship. And the silversmiths, they'd had enough. They'd already lost enough sales due to Paul's evangelistic efforts in the city in the weeks leading up to the festival. So in a rage, one of the biggest employers, Demetrius, he, he calls this meeting to organize a protest of his own craftsmen. And, and presumably some Jesus followers must have found themselves in that meeting because they were able to give Luke an eyewitness account. Whether it was his intention or not, Demetrius's speech so inflamed his hearers that matters were quickly out of his control. I mean, he made no bones about the principal purpose of his fury. Whatever lip service he gave about the goddess, he was all about the money. Men, he cried, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but almost everywhere in Asia, this Paul, he's persuaded and turned away masses of people, telling them that handmade gods, they aren't gods at all. And there's danger that not only will this trade of ours fall into disrepute, but that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will count for nothing and her greatness will be destroyed. She whom all of Asia and all of the inhabited world worship. At that, the audience roared the city's worship cry, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, and they poured into the street. Once they hit the street, they, they instinctively started to run where citizens converged in times of emergency, the theater cut from the hillside of Payan. It was the meeting place of the monthly popular assembly and every adult male in the city faithfully attended and so they knew where to go. And as they ran up the steep street toward the entrance, shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, people dropped what they were doing. They raised their voices and they joined the rush of the crowd, driven by fear, certain that great danger or great decision must be at hand. And I wonder, 
Have you ever raised your voice or joined the rush of the crowd even though you didn't know exactly what all the commotion was about or what the people were really talking about out of fear that great danger must be coming? So in the midst of the rush, some of the silversmiths, they seized two of Paul's companions, the Macedonians, Aristarchus and Gaius, and they, they swept them up. They drugged them through the streets and more and more citizens spilled through the gate at the upper end of the theater and they ran down the gangways until tier after tier after tier filled up. Meanwhile, below on the stage, Demetrius and his men, they swirled and swayed around Aristarchus and Gaius. On the scaffolding above the stage, workmen laid down their tools and they looked on in astonishment. When Paul, who was in the other part of the city, when he heard what they were doing, when he heard what was happening, he was determined to go to the theater to address the crowd. I mean, apart from intervening to rescue his friends and travel companions, he saw this as this huge opportunity to reach the biggest audience of his life. The theater, it held 19,000 and it was filling rapidly. The, uh, the acoustics, they were magnificent, far ahead of their time. Once he stilled the people, which in his mind he felt he could, he determined that he would preach Jesus and throngs of people would be saved. But his disciples, they begged him not to go. But, but Paul, he adamantly pushed back. People's lives were on the line. People's eternities hung in the balance. But while they were still debating, messengers came from the Asiarchs, the eminent friends Paul had made during his first imprisonment. And they stressed to them how illogical and how unreasonable, how unruly the crowd was. They too begged him not to risk his life in the theater. Respect for their understanding of the crowd's mood caused Paul to reluctantly abandon his plan. Meanwhile, in the theater, chaos and confusion, it cascaded through the crowd. Luke, he would dryly describe them by saying, some cried one thing and some another. For the assembly, they were in confusion. Most of them didn't even know why they'd come together. Mm, man, if that doesn't sound familiar today. Fearing a massacre at the hands of the Roman military or that the Ephesians would turn on any Jew in the crowd, leading Jews hastily put up a spokesman, Alexander. Thrusting his way onto the stage, he lifted his hand for silence. His intention was to tell them, the Jews, they're, they're, they're not the culprits. They, in fact, they hate Paul as much as the Ephesians do. But recognizing him as a Jew, someone in the crowd shouted, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Then a spattering of others joined. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And in a matter of moments, the entire crowd had joined in the chant and mass hysteria swept every tier of the theater. It reverberated with the rhythmic chant of four Greek words. Magale he Artemis Ephesion. Magale, hey Artemis Ephesion! Magale, hey Artemis Ephesion! And the cry, it echoed across the city, over the water to the ships in the harbor and across the hills beyond the gulf. They could hear it clearly in the temple of Artemis. The chant, it floated to the soldiers on the walls along the height of Mount Khorasas as they looked down, utterly amazed. In the theater itself, the crowd, it lost all sense. Work abandoned, dinner uncooked, the fierce heat of the sun, it meant nothing. 
the monotonous and now almost meaningless cry, it went on and on and on for more than two hours. Magele Artemis Ephesion! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! The chief executive of Ephesus, holder of the highest elected office, and the one responsible for civic order, he was thoroughly alarmed. The Romans, they prohibited any irregular assembly. They could easily treat one that behaved like this as a riot and dispose of it with deadly force. Not to mention, they could punish the city at large by doing away with what little self-governance remained, reducing its citizens to little more than slaves to the empire. So with urgency, he threw himself forward. He put up his hand, the crowd. They knew him as the one official who rightly should conduct the business of the popular assembly. The noise, it died away. Men of Ephesus, he said, his voice resonating back from the specially tuned bronze and clay vessels placed around the theater. What person is there who doesn't know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great Artemis and of the image that fell from heaven? Therefore, since these things are undeniable, you must keep calm and not do anything rash. For you've brought these men here who, who aren't temple robbers or blasphemers of our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a case against anyone, the courts are in session and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another there. But if you seek anything further, it must be decided in a legal assembly. In fact, we run the risk of being charged with rioting for what's happening here today, since there's no justification that we can give as a reason for this disturbance. Then, having made them feel thoroughly ashamed of themselves, he declared the assembly closed. The arena emptied. Reason had won the day. And when I read that, I wonder, what voice are you listening to? Riot or reason? You know, the voice you listen to will produce the place you live. Where are you choosing to live? In panic or in peace? The voice of riot, which is always caused by someone who's either lost something they view as a right or entitlement, liberty or freedom, or someone who's living in defeat, that voice will always cause you to live in panic. And that's exactly where the enemy, who incidentally is someone who's lost everything and is living in eternal defeat, wants you to live. And it's in that space that he's prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. But on the flip side, when you listen to the voice of reason, you refuse to live in fear that great danger is coming. You refuse to raise your voice or join the rush of the crowd when you don't even really know exactly what all the commotion is about or what the crowd is even saying. And when you refuse to do that, and honestly, only when you refuse to do that, will you live in peace? Because you'll be wise about what's good innocent of what's evil. And you'll know that the God of peace, he'll soon crush Satan underneath your feet and that the grace of Jesus, it will be with you. I wonder, which voice are you listening to? Are you gonna live in panic or are you gonna live in peace? You know, in the church world, the paramount that we seek is salvation, a surrendering of your life 
to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you say Lord, that means ruler. When you say Savior, that means rescuer. And so many of you watching this, you need your spirit to be saved. You need your soul to be rescued. And that's why you aren't living in peace. When you surrender your life to Jesus, when you submit your spirit to him, you will have a peace that surpasses understanding. Somewhere along the line, we've complicated this. But can I tell you, I know, not just from my study, but from my experience, salvation is not difficult and it is not complicated. Scripture says, if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And so today I wanna to give you the opportunity to do that. Here's how. In just a moment, I'm gonna say a few lines in a prayer. And then if you repeat them and you mean them in your heart, you will be saved and you will now live in peace. So if you need that, if you want that, if you're willing to do that, would you repeat this after me? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life, make me different, make me new, be my Lord, be my Savior. Give me your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, congratulations on the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. It doesn't, it doesn't make your life where you won't have any more struggles, but it makes it to where you have the answer. And so we wanna help you journey toward that answer. So if you'd help us help you, and if you just send us a little note that tells us that you are choosing to follow Jesus, just connect with us. We want the opportunity to pray for you, to get to know you better, and to help you in this journey. But maybe you're watching this and you say, Sean, I'm a Jesus guy, or I'm a Jesus girl. But the conditions of our day, they've, they've got you in this riot. They've got you in this uproar. They've stolen your peace. And so because of that, you've been following along with the crowd and, and you don't even know what they're saying. So because of that, you haven't been listening to the voice of reason. Maybe you don't even remember the last time you felt Jesus' peace. If that's you, I wanna pray for you, Jesus. Thank you for my friends who, they love you, God. They've given their lives to you. They've done their best, but the conditions of this day, it's worn them down. And so I pray for peace in their lives. I pray uh, that the channels of their ears, that they would be opened and that your word, that your voice, that your peace, that your knowledge, it would go all the way to their hearts and make its way to their minds so our lives would be changed. We love you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.